2: You see, if you're going to love God passionately and you're going to love others intentionally, that requires unlimited commitment to meeting needs. A true neighbor is willing to look past the differences that traditionally divide us and to love others unconditionally and without prejudice. And welcome to this neighborhood, neighbor. This is the truth. I've always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. While we're together, we might as well say you be mine could you be mine won't you be my neighbor that's what we've been dealing with for these last several weeks as we've looked as we just did at the simple lessons that we could learn from that old tv show from mr rogers and we have remembered that mr rogers did something we could use a little more of today He taught the simple life principles and the basic manners that make the world a better place. Let me ask you a simple question today. Let's start with this. Are you making an intentional effort to be a good neighbor? Are you looking around your little corner of the world in such a way that those that you come in contact will see... There's something different about that person. I, th- I think that was the premise of that very simple show. The idea that the world can be a better place if we all sought to be better neighbors. Mr. Rogers didn't shy away from the reality of life's disappointments. He dealt with those simple manners and life lessons. And he modeled the principle of doing for one what you wished you could do for everyone. And and shouldn't that be a way that we live? At least do for one what you wish you could do for all. In fact, that simple program with that simple premise and even the simple production, it, it kind of had a basic theme. We're all a part of one big neighborhood, so we should learn to be neighborly. Oh, that our world today would ingest that truth to realize that we're all created in the image of God, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. And that we would recognize that in the image of God, we should work together to live together so that his glory is reflected in this world. That's really the message of Jesus and specifically the message he taught in Luke chapter 10. If you have your copy of God's word, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. In a moment, we'll begin reading in verse 25. It could be argued that Luke chapter 10 is one of the most central passages in all the Bible when it comes to stating the fundamentals of the Christian faith. In fact, this chapter begins with the exhortation of Jesus to pray that the lost will be saved. Is that something you do? If we believe that those who don't know Jesus will die and spend eternity in a hell that is separated from Christ, do we use our energy praying that those around us would come to know Jesus? This passage then continues with an illustration of our call to go in the world. Jesus sends out his disciples and in like manner, we are called to go. Jesus would clarify this in Matthew 28 when he would give us what we call the great commission. Go therefore into all the world and what? Well, and make disciples, preaching the gospel, teaching them to observe all things, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he continues with what we call the great commandment. We'll read that in just a moment. And one of the greatest stories ever told in all of Scripture. And then we're not focusing on it, but this chapter ends with another wonderful life lesson when it's the story of Mary and Martha. And we're taught of the importance of just being with Jesus. So I would encourage you, even after our time together, sometime before your head hits the pillow this evening, do me a favor and read through this entire chapter, Luke chapter 10. We're going to read that in a moment, but before we do, would you do me a favor and join those that are at our other campus at Mission Hill Church Six Mile? Would you welcome them as they worship with us today? Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and Love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him up, they left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant, a Levite, walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Then Jesus said, now which one of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Twice in this passage, Jesus tells us to do something. I've learned, as my friend Dr. Johnny Hunt says, it's not the truth you know that makes a difference, but it's the truth you obey. It's what you do with what you know. It's how you show what you know. That's what we're going to talk about today. How we learn to show what we know. Now, I want you to, again, understand the context of this story. Jesus is contacted by an expert in the law. This means he was a religious attorney. He would know the religious law like the back of his hand. The religious law was made up of what we call the first five books of the Old Testament. If you know those, say them together with me. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We've just started back our Wednesday night program, Awana. If you have children or grandchildren or neighborhood children that are in that elementary age grade, I would encourage you to have them here because they will learn to recite all 66 books of the Bible, just like you recited the first five. Well, this lawyer would have known those five like the back of his hand. So Jesus said, what does the law say? And immediately he responded by quoting what was known as the Shema, He didn't need to quote it because most likely he had it in what was called a phylactery, either on his forearm or on his forehead. The scroll of the Shema would have been contained in a little box. And the Shema said this, well, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And you love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was making a point without saying any words he was reminding this attorney that he already knew what to do like the expert too often we're educated beyond our intimacy and our obedience now just think about that for a second we know who and what to love but we don't love the right things if you were to evaluate your intimacy, just this last seven days, would your love be toward the one who deserves your devotion? Or would it be said that you loved your work more than anything? Or, or that you loved your income more than anything? Or listen, that you loved your family or your children more than Anything? Any of those or anything else other than loving the Lord with all our heart, our soul, our strength, and our our mind is not what God commands. We know who and what to love, but we don't love the right things. We also know what to do, but we don't do the right things. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to the Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. And Jesus was pointing out the reality that love is an action verb. As Bob Goff wrote in his first book, Love Does, love always is is a response. It's a response with action. Mr. Rogers got this. I love this quote from Mr. Rogers. He said, love isn't a state of perfect caring. It's an action noun, like struggle. To love someone is to strive to accept that person exactly the way he or she is right here and right now. And so Jesus unpacks that biblically by telling a story. Now, we've spent the last three weeks looking at that story. Today, we conclude the story, but I want to remind you of what we've learned. First, we learned that who or what you love affects what you see. So, the reason Jesus began by saying, Love the Lord your God with all that you've got, is because he wanted to, uh, us to understand that what we love is going to affect everything else in our life, it affects your worldview, it, it affects how you see everything. If your love for God is the primary motivating factor in your life, you see the world differently. So many of the things that we take so seriously, we begin to push aside and we don't take them as seriously. Why? Because the love of God motivates and affects how we see what we see are you loving the lord your god with all that you are how do you see the world in fact in the book everybody always bob golf talks about this in this context he says we're really becoming love because as a christ follower what we're called to do is to be transformed into the image of god and what does the bible say god is god is so we are to become love Well, not only is who and what we love affecting what we see, who and what we see affects what we feel. So when I begin to become love, I see people differently. Jesus illustrated the fact that many people don't see as God sees when he told the story, the sheep and the goats. Remember, he said at the end, we'll be separated into two categories, like sheep and goats. And he says that there will be some who say, come on in you've done so well welcome into the kingdom and, and they'll say great how did we get here and, and Jesus will say well I was sick and you helped me I, I was hungry and you fed me and, and I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink and I was in prison and, and you visited me and, and they'll say really Jesus we don't remember that when did we do that to you and Jesus will say, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And then there'll be this other group that doesn't get to come in and, and they'll say, why not? And Jesus will say, well, don't you know, I was sick and you didn't help me. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty. And you didn't give me anything to drink. I, I needed clothing and you didn't give me any clothes. And, and I was in prison and you wouldn't even come visit me. And And they would say, Jesus, we didn't know you experienced any of those things. We don't remember not doing that. And Jesus would say, when you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. What was his whole point? His whole point was, we've got to learn to see our world through the lens of God's love. And when we do, it will impact the way we see and respond to everyone. So who and what we love affects what we see, and what we see affects how we feel, and how we feel affects what we do. Our feelings move us. They motivate us. When we're becoming love, we see people like Jesus, and we're moved with compassion, just like Jesus was, and just like the Bible says this Samaritan was. He felt compassion, or he was moved with compassion. So last week, we talked some about our feelings. And the importance of allowing our feelings to be subject to the governance of the gospel. Now, now that's kind of a big sentence, so let me unpack it real quick. We all have feelings, right? Remember the song, feelings, nothing more than... So we all have these feelings that impact us. Some of you did not feel like coming to church today, but you got up and, and you came Anyway, some of you didn't feel like it, so you're watching at home. Hi, we're glad you're watching. Um, but our feelings motivated some of you have been hurt, and so you're, you're motivated by those feelings of anger, our bitterness, our unforgiveness. Uh, some of you see what your neighbor has and, and you want it, and so you're motivated by feelings of covetousness, or jealousy. Some of you have gone through turmoil and you're motivated by feelings of pain. And all of those may be real feelings. All we learned last week was, though, that our feelings should first and foremost be motivated by the power of the gospel. What's the power of the gospel? That Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. That means our sins were buried. And he was raised from the dead so that we can have new life in him. And just like that power of the gospel raised Jesus from the dead, that same power is enough to overcome. Overcome any feelings that are unhealthy in our lives and when we subject our subject our feelings to the power of the gospel we begin to feel the things that god feels and we're moved with compassion our love for god and our love for others compels us to do something which is the last thing jesus teaches what you do changes lives you you recognize that right It's not just what you know. It's not what you think. It's not what you sing about, even if you raise your hands. It's not what you amen. It's what you do that makes a difference in the lives of others. I want you to think about that just for a second. You have the opportunity to impact the lives of people made in the image of God in your little corner of the world. Let me restate that. God created you on purpose, for a purpose, and you have the ability to impact the lives of those around you for their good and for God's glory. So you better make sure you're doing the right things. You better make sure you're loving the right one, and that you're seeing the right way, that you're feeling the right motivation, and that you're doing the right things. And so Jesus made this clear. I want to read from a literal translation of this verse again before we move on, because I want you to get this. This is called, and you can look at this. It's even on your Bible app. It's called the Young's Literal Translation. Here's what it says. And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God out of all thy heart and out of all thy soul and out of all thy strength and out of all thy understanding and thy neighbor as thyself. Every bit of who you are, or as the old country preachers used to say, every fiber of your being should be motivated by your love for God and your love for others. That's why for a number of years as a church, we've said our mission really is simple. It's not new. It's the same mission Christ followers have had for a couple of thousand years. It's that we love God passionately and that we love others intentionally straight from the life and the lips of Jesus. So then in the story, Jesus using what the New Living Translation called a despised Samaritan, gives us four ways to show love. Remember, I'm learning to show what I say that I know. So how do I show love? Let me just give you these four ways. Number one, you show love by getting out of your comfort zone. Uh-oh. This, this is where it gets tough. <laughs> Right at the beginning So look at verse 34 Luke 10, 34 The Bible says Going over to him The Samaritan Now I want you just to look at that And think about what it's saying Going over to him Those first few words Are all I want you to focus on That's the way You respond in love There were Three people that passed this abused individual on the road that day. The first was a priest, and the Bible says he saw him and then went on his way. The second was a Levite, another religious person, and the Bible says he saw him, but he stayed on his side of the road (laughs) and he went on his way. And the truth is, most of us can relate to those two guys. We see people all the time that look differently from us that may have needs we're not sure we can meet, that scare us or maybe intimidate us. And it's not that we do bad. It's just that we don't do good. And we stay in our lane of comfort. But a Samaritan went over to him. You know what I've learned in life often? The best things in life take place when we leave where we are to go to that place that God wants us to be. It all started when the Samaritan left where he was and went where the need is. Think about it. He saw a hurt that he tried to heal. He saw a need that he tried to fill and he did something. A demonstration of love always begins with a decision to do something. So some of you have pen, pencil, lipstick, mascara, Crayola. Some of you are writing with your uh, thumbs on your phone right now. If you're doing that, which I'd always encourage you to do, I want you to write down this question. What does God want me to decide to do? See, it's one thing to learn a truth, it's another to act on it. What does God want me to decide to do before I leave this place today in response to the hearing of the truth of his word? The good good Samaritan encountered the exact same circumstances as the priest and the Levite. He just chose to do something about what he saw and felt. How many times would it be said of you or me that we see or feel something without doing something? doesn't mean it was an easy choice, but it was the right choice. As we said last week, it didn't mean that what he felt was good, but it was right. Let me give you another quote from Mr. Rogers. We live in a world in which we need to share responsibility. It's easy to say, it's not my child, not my community, not my world, not my problem. Then there are those who see the need and respond. You've been listening to The Barnabas
1: Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support.